Hello and welcome back to BS3 Talk, not just because of the postcode, but because there's three of us and you might think we're talking bullshit. Plenty to discuss in today's podcast with a 3-1 win away at Borough and of course big Nigel Pearson being announced as a new head coach. But we'll start with the football, potentially City's best attacking performance since Northampton, in particular that first half. How much of a joy was it to watch Coxie that City were playing good football? It was an absolute joy to behold. Firstly, I'd like to pull you up on the fact you said head coach. He's actually the manager. So, you know, get your facts oh, right, Owen. Because I'm, that I'm really is... out off the pace today. Yeah, apparently that makes a big difference. No, um, it does feel like it has made a difference. Um, Burrow was bloody brilliant. Um, Doss somehow persuaded me to spend the... I mean, we split it, so it was five great British pounds on the game. I was questioning this decision um, until we turned up and turned into prime Barcelona. Um, didn't really know what was going on. Um, actually, no, I do know what's going on, you know. We played players where they're meant to be played. We played our veteran backup centre-back at centre-back. We we played a balanced <laughs> midfield. I'm sure we'll get onto the more deeper tactical stuff later obviously. But it was just nice to see two strikers playing striker, three midfielders balanced playing together, a back five that kind of made sense. And it worked. Uh, who would have thought it actually worked? But no, it was it was a nice it was a nice performance. And um, I'm not sure whether Nigel Pearson was there or not. I'm not really um, I'm not sure whether <laughs> Robin's TV sh- showed it enough. Um, whether Nigel Pearson was there or not. So I can't tell you whether he was, but um, if he was there, I'm sure he enjoyed. Well, Gregor wrote a lovely uh, bit on um, Bristol Live saying, what power does Nigel Pearson possess if a mere visit to the team hotel and a few words can spark Bristol City's best away performance of the season? <laughs> um, so I, I'd love to hear what you think of that, Doss, and whether, did, do you think he played a part in this at all or not really? I think it's just the element that the players have been taken out of their comfort zone. I think I alluded alluded to it a lot under Dean Holden that the players celebrated that appointment. It seemed like they're very comfortable about it. And um, Holden was a point on being a great human, but maybe we need a bad human, which Pearson could be, you know, to scare the players, to give them a a bit of a rifle up the the backside. And I think that was it. And even if it was just a few minutes, those words, you know, seem to have worked. Because the contrast between even Saturday under Simpson and Downing was was huge, very impressive, and clearly he well already have a, having an impact. Yeah, the the football itself though. Let's talk about um, that. What was it in particular, Doss, that really impressed you with with that first half performance? The noticeable thing for me is I've seen a. Tr- I think it was quite predictable what Warnock was going to do because if you look at the trend in recent games. When teams have played a high line against us, we don't have the pace to counter that. And we think, I think Barnsley, there was the game where they just pinned us in and we didn't have the pace to get out. We couldn't, couldn't get out of our own half. Constantly playing balls over the top to JJ, who can't really run onto them. But I think in this game, Middlesbrough played a high line themselves and we just exploited it time and time again, particularly in that first half, just through direct passes and runners, which was key. You know, Casey Palmer, Tyreek Backinson, they need runners and we had runners Naki Wells played in position, down the middle, was constantly running on. I think one guy been wanting us to score was Naki Wells' goal, which was a, a Famara head-on, flick-on even, and then Wells running in behind to score. That was the key thing for me, is that it was quite clear that Middlesbrough would play a high line, but, they don't, they, but then they don't have the most, 
the most pace in defence in the world. So it was quite crucial for me. I think Fisher's a liability in himself. So I think target him was, was all well and good. But I just think the way we exploited that was, was superb. Yeah, of course, Fami got a double, taking him to 51 in City Colours. How important will it be, Coxie, to keep him on the books past uh, this summer? I feel like the last, say, three months have been an absolute roller coaster with Famara Juju. Look back at sort of November time when he wasn't really getting a game and everyone was thinking, right, he's gonna. Then he starts bagging a few and um, then we're looking at, oh, is the contract finally happening? Then the window shuts after it looks certain that he's going to leave and he completely drops off, albeit with the rest of the team. Um, but last night was just exactly what you need in Famara Gigi. That is why Neil Warnock wants him at Borough because he absolutely ran the game. I thought we were pretty woeful when he went off, to be honest. And hopefully there are a couple of videos of him limping. Hopefully that's no big deal because um, he was down at, at one point. Um, but it was just so key for him to run a game like that. Um, I think there were pretty much every single one of those players was crucial to that win last night. But I think G without Juju's presence up top, um, I don't think much of it, if any of it, would have happened. Um, I know what Doss touched on there, which I was a big fan of, was that midfield. And we talk about the runners, but... It was nice for us to have a balanced midfield. You had Naj, who I'm still not sure why he really lost his place at any point other than being rested because he's quite clearly by far our best midfielder, um, especially in a, in a defensive um, manner. He absolutely, he was literally everywhere last night, um, got the assist for Fam's header um, and made so many countless crucial interceptions and tackles. He made the tackle for... Was it Fam's second as well that Backinson then played that precise ball through to Naki Wells, which we've been missing that so much. Obviously, he had a good few games earlier on in the season, but he kind of dropped off Backinson. But when you give him those players, he's going to find those passes. And then you've got Casey Palmer, who, with a solid base behind him and some runners ahead of him, had a bloody brilliant game. And I thought he linked up really well with the wing backs as well. There were triangles all over the place. It was incredible. Um, I don't want to overdo it because it is the first win in about, what, eight games? So, yeah, seven league games, I think eight in total. Um, and, you know, it's, it's still the same group of players that have been woeful for the last two months. But it was just nice to see that when you put, to use the football phrase we've seen absolutely fucking everywhere, round pegs in round holes. And it just worked and it was a joy to see. You also reopened our applications to the Adam Nash fan club uh, yep. at the end, didn't you? They're never shut, but, you know, um, yeah. yeah, a few. They never really shut, you know, the Adam Nash fan club. Um, but, you know, sometimes I just have to give a reminder to people that it's open because it's just a baller, isn't he? I love the guy. I absolutely love the guy. Yeah, and uh, Doss, you kind of touched on it there. Wells getting back in amongst the goals was nice to see. Do you think the under Pearson, we we could maybe see him kick on? I hope so. It helps actually having a a manager in charge. But I just think he just looked. It was just like the the pictures of his celebration. You could see 
it just looked like a weight off his shoulders. It looked like a fresh start. It looked like a fresh Naki Wells who wasn't playing with the shackles, wasn't playing really thinking about where he could be or where else, you know, he'd like to be. He seemed like he wanted to... It just seemed like a clean state for him, which was which was crucial. Yeah, other than the guy, I didn't really notice him too much, but I did... You could see he was working hard and just pressing and just doing the basics that we thought Naki Wells would do when we brought him in. Other than, other than the three goals, there, wasn't, there weren't too many opportunities. I know Wells... There was an instance where he was paid in by Jeju, you know, horrendously paid in by Jeju because Wells, <laughs> with a better pass, you, you'd think would finish that as well. But yeah, it's, it was very encouraging from Naki, very encouraging. Yeah, and the most shots on target um, with six since eight against Barnsley in a 2-2 draw 30 games ago. Do you think that just shows how difficult it's been for Bristol City to, to impact games, to have shots, to, to make chances? Because... You know, we're, we're ringing home about about a three-one win against Borough, and it feels like you know we should have seen more of these performances within the last thirty games, including you know the squad that City have got. Boss. It yeah, it shouldn't be difficult. Should it? I think that's the thing that's kind of in the back of everyone's mind is that where has that been for the last three months? Because yeah, we we were good, but it wasn't. It still wasn't groundbreaking. It still wasn't perfect, and that's a performance we know the players are capable of. We've seen it a few times in the past. I think Middlesbrough away last season, we saw it very well. And that was almost the basis that we thought we would build off that performance away at Middlesbrough last season. And I just wonder where that team went because I know we lost Weimann and he was crucial to that win. But it is in the back of your mind, you know, why couldn't the players do that a few weeks ago, a few days ago? Were they too comfortable? I think so. But yeah, it was a good performance, good performance, but it just does sound in the back of your head. It shouldn't be too difficult to muster up six shots in the, on target in a game. You think that's kind of with the players we've got that could kind of be like even just standard, but yeah, it's better. It's something to build on. I know Pearson would have been very pleased with it. Yeah, and to touch who... on something Doss quickly said, Go sorry, Mers, just to that's interrupt. Um, obviously, I think all six shots were in the first half. I think they're in the first sort of like thirty-five minutes, but to try and sort of not get completely carried away, it was six shots on target which you, you'd expect for a championship team um, to be you know at least the average I know we were all kind of we felt absolutely spoiled um, with six shots on target compared to the recent games I think it just shows the sheer drop off and the sheer lack of expectation that we now well that we did hold for the team but I, I'm hoping obviously it's great for the fans to witness a game like that for actually to actually dominate a game and win it deservedly. But I, I hope for the players, they kind of, they get that feeling and, you know, they think, right, well, we actually fully, fully deserved that win and we fully dominated them. Um, and it wasn't, the second half was scrappy and we conceded, but I don't think that was anything, I don't think we really could have expected anything more. Um, I think when we conceded, we probably all feared the worst, to be honest. Um, but I'd still say we were by far the better side on the day. I think we, just you know all over Borough especially in that first half so I hope for the players and, and the group as a whole that they actually begin to get some belief back that they can not just win games but actually dominate games and like properly take it to teams um, because that's a decent Warnock side that's a decent Borough side apart from their attack they have a very um, you know definitely comfortably top half championship team I'd say with you know Howson and Morsi in the middle so it's not like we just scored three goals in the first half at one of the lower clubs it's a very decent team so yeah just hope the players 
can um can can bring that to to the rest of the season really. Yeah, um, we tweeted out who stood out for you tonight. Got a great response from you guys, so thanks first of first of all for that. And we will get into our sort of individual player ratings soon, but we'll just go through a couple of the replies. BCFC Corey said Riley Towler. Uh, Clifton Reds said could pick a fair few: Callas, Najee, Wells, Towler, Backinson, and Fam. And City Red Seven Tim Davis said it's great to see so many names mentioned without having Bentley in the list. Makes a change. Mhm. Spot on, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Doss, who stood out for you personally? Towler has to get a mention because his third appearance, he looked so composed. I don't think, I can't remember who was playing on the right for Middlesbrough. I think Mendes Lang came on at some point, but he didn't, didn't have a sniff, didn't get past him. And I know the goal he could have perhaps have done better on, you could say if you'd been overly, or well, if you'd been critical, but I think he was just exactly what we've needed. He just didn't look out of place whatsoever, which is probably the best compliment you can give to an 18-year-old starting in at left wing back. You know, we have said in the past that we feel he's more of a central player. Still feel that way because, you know, whether he's got the agility, the pace to play at left wing back in a role that demands so much up and down the pitch, I'm still not sure on. But no, very, very good. Very promising. We know Burrow like to get get wide and get crosses into the box. So he just stopped that threat completely. And Warnock's a wise, Warnock is a wise old fox and he would have known that we had vulnerabilities in that area and he would have tried to exploit them. But I think it's testament to how good Towler was that they just didn't get any any sniff from that area, really. I think, yeah, just sublime. Great on the ball. I think we know he's good on the ball, but it was just the fact that he just slotted in so seamlessly, which was the pleasing thing. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely great to see sort of a youngster given the chance at, at first-team football, especially, I think, in recent weeks where, like we've kind of mentioned over and over again, so many of the performances have lacked the heart and the spirit and the motivation to play for the shirt. I think Towler just encapsulates all of that. He just... He won't, you know, he won't stop playing. He won't stop running. He won't, I don't think he'll stop caring at the moment because he's just looking really like like a composed youngster and it'll be good to see more of him. Um, shall we get into the player ratings or is there anything else you want to add before we uh, get into them? I don't good? know. I think we've touched on the majority there, haven't we? Just nice to see a good performance. Dale Fry is still 23, which was the surprising thing. And he's got his first... <laughs> It was his first Middlesbrough goal last night, but he's still only 23. I thought he's been around forever. That's what I wanted to touch on. Lovely. <laughs> uh, we'll start the player ratings then. So Dan Bentley in goal. Uh, didn't have much to do, I guess. There were a few crosses. I think he could have come out and claimed better. Um, absolutely no real fault for the goal. So I'd say, I'd say it was an average Dan Bentley performance, which is six. Six for me too. Did the basics, but nothing outstanding. Cause it isn't. I think it's testament to our defence. He didn't really get tested. So six. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, Zach Viner. Oh, Zach. He just sweeps up, doesn't he? He's becoming a properly key member, and I think that right centre, right centre back spot is. It should be his now. I think stop playing around with playing him in midfield. Even though I thought he was going to be. Patrick Vieira reincarnated. <laughs> um, just, just play him. Give him that right centre back spot. Um, if we play four at the back, give him the centre back spot next to Callas because he's really come on leaps and bounds this season. I think you'd have to say he's probably most improved, or at least up there in the argument. So I'll give him an eight. I'm gonna go seven. I do think the back three fits him perfectly. I do think he is a centre half and. Yeah, just brilliant. Just shut out everything that Middlesbrough had to offer. 
he's such a valuable squad member, can play, I think, four positions he's played just in the last few weeks alone. Yeah, sublime. Seven from me, but yeah, I didn't notice him too much, but I think that's just a comment on his season overall. Just such an impressive player. We had doubts about him. I think what Rotherham fans in particular didn't really rate him when he went on loan there. I know Plymouth fans, it was quite the opposite for them, but yeah, just a, we got a terrific player on our hands in Zach Viner. And I think it's just a credit to the whole youth setup, Brian Tinian, that we've got players like this who are ready made to play in the Championship in several positions. I think Tinian in particular has picked those loans very well for him because Aberdeen played a bit in central midfield, same at um, Rotherham, but at Plymouth he kind of learned his trade as a centre back, which you know, physical, you know, has really bulked him up and he's now the finished article in the championship, you could say. Sure, Doss, I'm absolutely loving the positivity from you today because I think Rare. We, we've all been guilty of it probably in recent weeks and how shit it's been. It's fucking lovely to just to hear some nice words being said, do you know what I mean? Oh, it's really, well, the thing we, I think we always enjoy the podcast, but in the last few weeks, how can you enjoy uh, just talking about football matches with one shot on target which is from 35 yards it's, it's difficult to talk about that for an hour and more when we can yeah. take the chance to be positive take it and moreover dos has it not felt like every episode we're talking about exactly the same sort of things it's the same things yeah oh it's, it's been the same things but when we can be positive it's great yeah oh last night was lovely was having a, a dominoes uh sat with with james which was a bit of a stain on the whole thing but no had Champions League on had the, had the Bristol City game on you know lockdown road map is out Bristol City have got a manager a proper proven manager one of the best managers available I think even maybe better than Chris Hutton you look at his CV he's got four manager of the month awards in the championship one Premier League manager of the month award a promotion in one of the best championship teams ever 102 points at Leicester in 13-14 it's very good this guy's it's really going good. for it isn't he mm-hmm Cause it was like I wrote a piece of him about half an hour ago. <laughs> so those stats were there. Did you did you get the best points per game for any Watford manager in history in there, Doss? Really? Yeah. Did you get that? What during, in the Premier League? I didn't get that. No. No, he's got the best points per game of any. I think it's. Is it one? I, I, it's either two. It's either two point one five or one point one five. Um. Yeah, it makes he's, him technically. Yeah. He is exactly what the club needs. Uh, someone's get the club. I think the fans will be firmly back on side. It's exactly what we've been wanting for, wanting for, uh, waiting for. I think it's the first appointment since maybe Steve Coppel. We've actually gone and got in a proven championship manager who can we know can get us to the promised land. I think his interview was brilliant. Yeah, just very optimistic. We'll but definitely quickly digress yeah. from the player ratings. Um, I'll only be a sec. Like I know Doss <laughs> attended the press his first press conference. Um, and I listen to it on Spotify, I listen to it back. And even that is just like, he actually, no disrespect to Dean Holden, but he always fell back on, you know, um, I love this football club and I'm going to try my best for this football club. Whereas Pearson, we know that Nigel Pearson knows what he's actually on about. So when he says, you know, we're going we're gonna to stop banding around the world, world potential and we're actually just going to like play football, um, it just sounds nice and I echo every single thing that Jack Dawson just said because I do think he is the perfect man and I just thought the first press conference was just, you know, has only backed it up so far. And the pictures of him, he looks like a saucy, saucy man. <laughs> we'll definitely get into it um, as soon as we finish these player reigns. So get you boys to whiz through if you like. You, you seem very keen to talk about it. Yeah. So um, we'll start with, uh, we'll get back into it, sorry, with Callas. 
captain's performance, at least leading by example anyway? I'm going to go the same. I was interested because I think as we were watching it, Coxie, we were kind of saying, I think you said, oh, Mariapa on the left, that's why he's to guide Tyler. But I was watching it back and it looked like Callas was on the left of the back yeah. three. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think the exact was same Google. thing. Watched it back. Yeah, so. Google has it down just as Callas be- on the left. If that helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched it. and I just thought it made sense because having if you're Riley Towler and you've got you know you've got Callas behind you, it just it, so, it must be so reassuring having the captain there. I thought his interview after the game on Saturday, well, his interviews were absolutely sublime. Mm-hmm. Just I think that was almost maybe that was uh, the motivation the attacking players needed rather than Pierce. Maybe it was Callas's points that they hadn't been putting putting in enough of a shift and maybe you know it could have been but yeah stopped everything and yeah what a player we've got on our hands in Thomas Callas I know it's the overstatement of the year but yeah just a terrific player one of the best in the league no doubt about it uh Mariapa who's going to be reunited with Pearson very soon mm. I feel bad because I don't feel like I can give him less than the other two because I thought they were all a bit of a unit together so I feel like I should either give them all sevens or all eights and I feel like I should give them all sevens but I'm going to give them all eights because I thoroughly enjoyed us actually being good at um, good at the back for once even with the goal conceded um, I'm going to give them all eights I think it's bizarre that well I heard that we've got something like the I think it is the third worst record in the championship defensively which surprised mm. me a bit because I know we've been bad. I know the Watford game definitely impacts that <laughs> a lot, but I thought overall this season we've been okay at the back, but just going forward we've been abysmal. So it turns out we've been abysmal going forward and at the back, which, well, if you look at the stats regarding <laughs> shots on target faced and shots on target produced, that would suggest both of those. But yeah, I think Mariapa, for me, it was his best game in a City shirt. Just composed. It was kind of an Ashley Williams-esque performance last year. You know, there's parallels being drawn between the two of them for understandable reasons. But yeah, I think in the middle of the back three, it suited him. He wasn't exposed on the flanks where his pace is an issue. It was kind of one where he could just see everything around him. Point players saying where to be, just dictate things almost from that central position where he has a great view of things around him. And yeah, I think a solid eight. It's best game in a City shirt for me. Lovely. Jack Hunt? Um, I'd give Hunt a seven. I don't think he offered as much going forward as um, perhaps you'd expect in a game that we've scored three goals. But he was pretty solid. He did not give it away as much as I usually see him give it away, you know, cheaply. Um, I don't think he was quite on par with the back three. Um, I do think Viner had to sweep up for him a couple of times. But I'd say it was a pretty solid performance for Hunt. So I'd give him a seven. Seven for me too. Played okay. I initially thought it was him that crossed it for JJ's goal, but it turns out it was Nash with that beauty of a cross. But mm-hmm. I think it was more the Jack Hunt of the 18-19 season that we, we quite liked at right wing back where he was going up and down. He was playing with purpose because a lot of the time with Jack Hunt, I don't think he plays with a real purpose. He's just there. He's just mm-hmm. floating it half-heartedly. But I think once he's got that drive and bit between his teeth, he can be a very nasty player to play against. I think that's a Jack Hunt we saw last night. And hopefully it's a Jack Hunt we see for the rest of the season because I know he's out of contract at the end of the year. Maybe he's going to be playing for a contract now. It's reaching that kind of time. But yeah, it was a lot better, a lot improved. And yeah, hopefully it continues because with Jack Cullen, I never want to get carried away after one good game because it's similar to Jimmy Patterson. You get carried away, you say, oh yeah, he's playing really well. And then the rest of the game, rest of the games to come, you're, you're criticising him. So yeah, I just go with a solid seven, but yeah, reserved. Casey Palmer? 
thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed Casey Palmer's performance. It's almost like if you give him, you know, a decent midfield base behind him and play him centrally, he'll like perform and like give him runners as well and he'll pass to them. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think it was absolutely outstanding, but it was very, very good. I'll give him an eight. And I don't agree also with the James. tackle and yellow card was really good. I enjoyed it. I don't agree with James, but it's an eight for me too. Brilliant. Yeah, that tackle was sublime. And that's the that's the case of <laughs> we like when he's diving in for tackles and stuff. It's, it sounds odd from an attacking player, a flair player, but when he is producing slide tackles like he did in the first half, it's it's great. And I think Brian Tinian said at Robins TV, Katie Palmer is only as good as the runners around him, which is very true. Like, imagine what Katie Palmer could do with Mbappe. Would that make Katie Palmer the best 10 in the world? Is he like that dependent on runners around him? Because that's what's interesting. I, I find it tough to gauge where his level is because at times I think this guy's the best player in the team. He took off the championship. And at times I think this is a League One player. And that comment from Tinian does kind of ring true for me because I think if you do play him with the players that suit him, he is. that's how you get the best out of him. It's an obvious statement, but it's true. I think we did that last night. I think just playing him in the middle was, was the right option. He's played the left of a 4-4-2 in recent times under Dean Holden. But I really want Casey Palmer to, exceed, to succeed at Bristol City. I've said that a lot. And very encouraged by the fact he did it with Nigel Pearson watching because Pearson... He he doesn't he does he said in this press conference that he's going to build a team around what suits his players in terms of formation rather than just sticking with a, a four two three one that he has done in recent posts. It's going to be based on the players in the squad, which you think maybe is a three five two, barring the left wing back situation. I think it definitely has the best best out of Casey Palmer. So yeah, very happy eight. Tariq Backinson. Oh, I I would be shocked if you if we looked at the end of the season. And he wasn't top of the sort of progression numbers in terms of progressive passes, um, like sort of average per game. Because I genuinely don't think, maybe he's up there with Casey, but I genuinely don't think there's anyone really up there with him in the squad that can play that really incisive ball, see it early and play it. It happened, uh, I think it was Fam's second, um, it created... And it just happened on countless, countless more times. I love him breaking into the box. I didn't really see him do it too much last night. But when he's on it, just love what he brings to the team. And I think partner with Naj is by far the best midfield partnership we've had this season, in my opinion, Naj and Backinson. Um, they gave such a good platform for, you know, Casey Palmer, Wells and Juju to build off. Um, and I think... Yeah, I just love watching Backinson play. I'll give him an eight as well. Oh, I forgot we're still on Backinson. It's my go, isn't it? Um, yeah, <laughs> I got to go seven. Um, very good. No, he was very good. I don't, I don't go overboard. That's the thing, because it, it wasn't the perfect team performance by any means. I think James is getting a bit overboard. No, that's why but... That's why the majority <laughs> are on eights, not, not, not No, I, seven, I, not he eights. was very good. Uh, yeah, disrupted play a lot, made himself a nuisance and is that forward-looking player that we we want to see in midfield, the one that links the midfield and attack because that's what yeah that's what he did very well last night, picked out the players of those four balls and I think it shocked Borough because I don't think Borough were expecting us to be quite so direct with their high line. Backinson and Palmer were perfect to, to counter that by playing those balls in between the centre-backs and the full-backs which brought us so much joy. And yeah, Backinson, yeah, seven for me. Nash. Oh, 
I'm going to find it really, 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 really fucking hard to not give him a 10. But I will give him a 9, because otherwise DOS will um, probably kill me when he comes downstairs. Well, um, if you're getting a 10, you'd, no, I, I reserve that for... I say, how many 10 out of 10 performances we had in the last five years? I say, one minute Sheffield United, O'Leary at Villa, perhaps. And I wouldn't say we've had too many 10 out of 10s. O'Leary at Villa, yeah, because you conceded two goals. Yeah. Well, that's one of the best performances, is it not, in the last few years? Maybe You're going to give a 10 out of 10 for conceding two goals? Yeah, what a standard. What a standard well, maybe not then, has. but <laughs> I remember we tweeted what was the best performance of the Lee Johnson era, and a lot of people said O'Leary versus Villa. And it was one of the best performances I've ever seen live from a goalkeeper. All right, okay, but... Would you argue? No, I wouldn't. But I don't think I would have given him a 10. But that... We digress. I'm just... Well, um, Are we really in Sheffield Wednesday number 10? I'd give. Yeah, I just think, Naj, I'll give him a nine because, all right, I, I see it. Um, but it was just vintage Adam Naj. Um, he had sort of, I think, one of the best pass, uh, pass accuracy in the squad. Um, I think it was the best out of the starting 11. Um, just kept it ticking constantly. You know, he's got the, when, he, when he's got those players around him to help him out, he can just do the rest of the groundwork for them. Um, got the assist. It's not the first time we've seen him put in a delicious cross or pick out a man, especially Fam. Um, I think of Fulham away last season as another uh, another example where he's picked out Jiju in the middle, um, and he just he just ran the game. And I know it says Jiju ran the game, but I think you know Naj literally ran the game from the middle, um, and he is by far our best midfielder. Um, put him next to Backinson, who plays those incisive balls. Put him next to Casey Palmer, who can, you know, make those runs. Also make that that final ball. Um, and yeah, it, I, I can't I can't say enough. Words cannot express how much I like Adam Naj um, or Adam Nodge, Nod Noth, or whatever you, however you say it. Um, yeah, an assist to boot makes it hard to make be not a ten though. But I will say nine. No, I was very much enjoying James just... James' monologue as yeah. well, wasn't it? Honestly, I enjoyed James raving about Adam Nash, but I would give him a nine. It was very... It was like N'Golo Kante in his prime, wasn't it? The way he was just up and down everywhere, intercepting. And I really like it when Adam Nash just makes those runs into the box because he's not really the, the man that the opposition will think to mark. And when he does mm. pop up in those pockets, like he did for the opening goal, he's so, so effective. So, so effective. I was going to say something else, but I've forgotten it. I thought I was going to make quite a good point, but no, he wins the, <laughs> wins the ball back and just backs it quickly. Doesn't mess about, gets on with the job at hand and just performs week in, week out, no matter who he's playing against. I think we are lacking, I think I said over the last few weeks, we've been lacking partnerships in this team of late. I think if you give Naj and back instead of run of games, they'll develop a partnership because I've seen some real promising shoots. So, solid nine for Naj, but it's what we've come to expect and I'm, I'm glad that he's finally getting the recognition because how some people don't rate him is beyond me. He is sublime. Mm-hmm. Towler. Incredibly mature performance. I do think, you know, he, he could have done better with, with their goal. Um, so, you know, but I think it's um, a credit to him that I'm even going to dock him a mark for that because normally I'd have said I was a youngster, it doesn't matter. But he was genuinely on par with you know, the rest of the team. And I think after such a horrific 
um, experience against Watford. Um, it was just so nice to see him tr- and, like trusted and then given some support and then him actually just play really, really well. There are a couple of moments he's stuck out on the flank. He just kind of turns his way out of trouble. He, he finds another pass. You know, he's got players supporting him. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just really nice to see. So I'll, I'll give him a seven. Now I'll give him an eight. Mm. I don't know. I'll see what Doss says and I'll make my decision. Wow. Eight Spineless. for me. <laughs> yeah, eight for me. Just seamless was what it was. Seamless. He was like a, just a swan on the left-hand side. Graceful. <laughs> just did everything well. Didn't look phased whatsoever. That's what impresses me because usually you think 18 will be a bag of nerves, but he just didn't seem phased, seemed confident. Again, Brian Tinian, what a job he's doing. I think Tyler's had loans at, I think, Taunton Town and Yate Town, just a few. And now it's all of a sudden he's playing championship football away against a Neil Warnock side and didn't get exposed or exposed, exploited or exposed in the slightest. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant performance. I think he's, again, another brilliant prospect we've got coming up. I know he stood out a lot to me and Coxie last year doing the 23s but yeah, really excited about him and hopefully hopefully it's not one of those that as soon as we get a Jada Silver back that we just don't see him again. Hopefully he can really build and become a re- real key player in the squad in the years to come. So an eight for me. I'm going to give him an eight as well. I just looked and he had the most successful tackles of every City player last night. So I'm going to agree with my friend Jack. Lovely. Mackie Wells. Ooh. I mean, I do think, weirdly, he had quite a quiet game. But he was, you know, he, he performed very well in those key moments. Um, was not expecting him to, to pass to Fam for his second, I can't lie. But he did, and he put it on a plate. Um, he should have had a goal earlier, which was Fam's fault for completely overhitting a simple pass. Um and, you know, he still did well with that. I think defender had to clear off the line. Um, but I'd say it was a standard... You know, that's what we want to see from Naki Wells every week. As long as you give him the service, I think he will give you that oh, nine times out of ten. So I'm going to give him an eight. I think he's just superb at kicking a football. And that's a very basic thing to say. But <laughs> I think the way he rarely seems to overhit a pass, his weight of the of ball is always seem it seems to be perfect. And I'm looking back at Patterson's goal against Coventry and and you know forty seconds into the season, the way Wells just played that pass that was so perfectly weighted. For me, with Wells it's always decision making and more of the off the ball stuff. But when you get him the ball in space, you know, he rarely seems to either like miss hit something or over hit a pass. And I think yeah, like Jeju passed two Wells that was over hit. You wouldn't really see Wells do that. And I think it was one of those that the performance we expect from Wells because, yeah, as Coxie said, we didn't really notice him too much, but the one time we did, he popped up with a goal. And that's just how, that's what we want from Naki Wells and that's the player we need him to be. His celebration just summed up, summed it up for me. I think it seemed like he had a relief, a weight off his shoulders, nobody can kick on. We've had a few false storms with Naki though, the start of the season being one, I think he got three and five and then tailed off completely. So hopefully it's not another one of them, another one of them and hopefully he can really kick on because we do have a real player on our hands. Eight out of 10 for me. And finally, from RGG. Another nine. Um, properly, properly good centre-forward performance, I think. Um, more key passes than anyone. Um, more shots than anyone. I think he had four shots, all of them on target. 
And, you know, that's what you want from your striker. Because I personally, I think Pham is a great finisher. I just think, you know, he's had a history over the years at Bristol City of um, missing the odd sitter. Um, but I do think, unlike Naki Wales, where Doss says he's quite good at kicking a football, I think Pham is a lot, um, a lot more, you know, is it orthodox? Is it a lot less orthodox? It's a lot more unorthodox. Unorthodox. He's a lot more unorthodox, as usual, in the way that he strikes the ball. You think back to some of his sort of goals and even his good goals. Um, they're not always struck with, you know, inch-perfect technique, but I feel like he just, he has that eye for goal that, bar Naki Wells, we haven't had in the squad since, you know, Bobby Reed probably. Um, won a lot of his aerials, um, Goal, two goals and an assist, which must be mad. He just needs a hat trick. He just needs a hat trick. Um, and I actually tweeted, which was wrong because I actually underdid it for fam. If you count, because I thought the 21st century began in 2000, but I am dumb. The 21st century actually starts on the 1st of January 2001. And if you count that, then Fomara Jiju is the first Bristol City player to score 50 plus goals all of them being in the 21st century. So, you know, it's been a while. I'm baffled. Why? <laughs> I'm baffled with the cent- century. What, what, what century is 2000 in then, in then? 2000 is technically in the 20th century. That doesn't seem right to me. No, I, 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 I I'm not disputing it, but I've never thought yeah. of it like that. Is I know it what you because mean. it runs really? from the 1900s to 2000 instead yeah, of not, what would it be, yeah, 1899 to 1999? Yeah. So, Coxie, you you still were born last century. Yeah, technically. But obviously, when <laughs> I tweeted, I didn't really think about it. I just saw Lee Peacock, who was the only other player to do it from 2000 onwards, um, had scored. But obviously, he scored in the 2000s as well. Um, and there are loads of players, a bit of confusion in the Twitter mentions there are there are quite a few players that have wrapped up their 50 plus goals in the 2000s but none of them have scored every single goal for Bristol City 50 plus after the 1st of January 2001 other than for Marajin. <laughs> it's a very specific stat. <laughs> well, no I just found it quite so it's the fir- well it's the first time this century that you know a player's stuck around long enough to score that many goals because as Doss pointed out to me, it's not like we've lacked good goal scorers in that time. They've just all gone after a season or two. You know, you think every single good goal scorer we've had has either, you know, left because they're too good or, you know, didn't quite get to the 50 mark. But, hey. Mm-hmm. How many did Tony Thorpe get in the... Um, or the 21st century? Well, I don't know how many got in the 21st century specifically, but... He got some in the nineties, I believe. So right, that's that why addresses it things. Count. <laughs> yeah, I think James is is carrying me a bit for research here. Um, well, it's Jay, just because I don't really the done stats. That. Keep you got Towler for tackles, all that impressive, mm. very impressive. I've I've not gone to that. I've slacked level of, of research because yeah, for once have. I've actually enjoyed the research because normally it's looking at you know who had the worst pass percentage or who made the least impact on a game, whereas now we're actually praising them. 100%. Jeju, I'm talking to you eight and a nine. Um, Fuck off, you're going to give him an eight. 
I didn't really notice him too much other than the, the goals and going off injured <laughs> and overhitting a pass. That's the thing, to be honest. I was I think at that point I was more focused on my on my on my dominoes. So I don't I wasn't paying too much attention to the game. Um but yeah. I'll give him a nine then. I'm I'm in a good mood. The good. world's on the up, so I'll give him a nine. Lovely. <laughs> that rounds off our player ratings. Uh before we get into the talk about Nigel Pearson, you hear our say, we want to hear yours. Um and some of you are lovely enough to send in your uh your thoughts, so here we go. Hi lads, this is my short reaction to the recent news that Nigel Pearson has indeed been appointed the manager, not the head coach, the manager of Bristol City. I'm absolutely over the moon with his appointment. I'm happy we've finally brought in a big name, someone to excite the fans. He was my first choice when Dean Holding got sacked and I feel like he has all the qualities to push us forward. You know, he's got a nasty streak in him, which is something we've definitely been lacking this season. He's also got an eye for recruitment. You know, he signed the likes of Vardy and Mares the season before Leicester won the league. My only concern with this appointment is that it is a short-term deal. I would have preferred a two-and-a-half, you know, three-and-a-half-year contract. But as long as we've got him now, he can get us out of this potential relegation battle and push us forward. Hello, BS3 Talk. Um, so my opinion on the appointment of Nigel Pearson as manager, not head coach for the duration of the season, um, is that I believe he'll be able to galvanise the players, you know, get them by the scruff of the neck and hopefully pull everyone out of this current situation that we're in. Um, he's obviously got a track record of succeeding with teams in the championship and getting them promoted um, to the higher levels. Um, whether or not he'll stay on to do this after this season, we'll see. But as of right now, it's probably a smart decision. I am buzzing to see Pearson down the gate. Uh, not only is he one of the more tactically astute coaches, but also just completely unpredictable when it comes to his personality in general. I think people forget that the main reason he was sacked from Leicester is because his son got his toddler out on a pre-season tour in Thailand. Um, I am excited to see him bring out the best in players like Joe Williams and Callas, but I do fear for players like Masenu and Liam Walsh, who are a bit weaker, but yeah, I think he'll do well. Come on, the city. Thank you very much there to Tommy, Callum and Joe for their thoughts. I thought there were some some interesting thoughts in there. I think the general consensus um, is that Nigel Pearson is a legend and that we are very lucky to have him. Um, I'll let Owen take you from here, but, you know, yeah, I, 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 that's my thoughts. You may have seen... Can I just um, say go on. quickly that it's a very nice... Uh, thing that we have listeners that appreciate because I was, remember, I was going through Twitter <laughs> randomly the other night and I just see a tweet saying listen to BS3 talk for the first time absolute embarrassment I don't know what he was on about because it was a very normal episode but it's nice to have listeners that appreciate the content and the podcast so thank you to those three it's not, like not a dig at the person who that. tweeted <laughs> I'm really going to say that listener I'd like no. I'd like to say if he if he listens again, if he comes back, it was his first time listening that he found us an embarrassment. I'd like to know why. I'd like him <laughs> to explain more rather than just stating it and leaving. Dos gets like very kind paragraph. of. Dos takes Not, things no, very to heart. Um, I, yeah, I did a whole segment last time, didn't I? Hate tweets. That, <laughs> yeah, you did. I take the view that at least you've been honest. At least you didn't tell us it, you enjoyed it when you didn't. Um, yeah. So you know what. Uh, can't remember what your name was, but we won't reveal it anyway. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode because <laughs> it's good. If you if you think we're shit, I don't really care anyway. Because you know, why why does your opinion matter to me? Well, I just enjoy talking. You're a Liverpool fan. Oh, yeah. I enjoy talking shit about Bristol City. That's oh. why. 
That's why. That is not the views of BS3 Talk. I care what people think. Not I not do. No, I don't care what I, I care what they think. I don't care what they think of me specifically or like any of you no, boys. No, but he's talking about the entity that is BS3 Talk, which oh. to me matters. Obviously okay. I'm like Yeah, well, it matters to me. I'm just saying like BS3 Talk matters nothing to him. No, that's not what I've said. <laughs> but no. I just That yeah. was well, I enjoy waffling about Bristol City occasionally. And I yeah. just find it quite nice that people actually yeah. you know, I had a couple of messages like before the fans say actually asking if they could do a section on the pod. That is why your say kind of is a thing. Um because you know, people were asking and I just thought it was quite nice that people actually give some kind of a fuck. You know? Yeah. If people want to beef we, me we they know they know what my Twitter is. If people want to beef me, yeah. they they know where my Twitter is. They can find me. Um... <laughs> so you might have a you might have an intruder. I, I think I do. I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> I just heard the door slam and oh hoy Cam. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be out in like fifteen minutes. This is the problems with remote recording. Yeah. We're not in our shiny studio. I can I'll mark that it on um, timeline if you want, James. If you want to cut no, this, that's cool. Mark that out. No. Lovely. We'll just keep moving, shall we? Um, yeah. I also had a chat okay, with. You know um, what? This is wait. Rawness. Sorry, quickly. This is. I was about to say. This is raw BS3 talk. Yeah. We're, We're not cutting, cutting anything out. My housemate Do... just got home. You know what? He just got home with crucial, crucial toilet roll in these times. So you know what? It's a big dub. James, I love how uh, in the episode you've got to edit, you suddenly we don't cut out moments like this. I've <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got, got better <laughs> things to do this evening, mate. I've got. I don't know what I've got. Uh, Real versus Atalanta to watch. Oh. So, you know, we're, we're keeping it in. Lovely. Um, if anyone saw as well, I had a chat with Mike Duffy uh, from Voices of the Vic podcast. That chat's on YouTube if you want to check it out. Just a 10 minute discussion. Um, he's a Watford fan, so he just gave us a rundown of Nigel Pearce and his time there and just his general opinion of, of how he could do at Bristol City. I think it's worth a watch. Hopefully, you do too. Um, but yeah, you can find that on our YouTube and we've put a clip on our Twitter. Uh, but let's talk about Nigel Pearce and us three then. Um, how, the first thing I wanted to start on was the pictures of him looking like he's uh, King Henry VIII uh, with the wallpaper in the background, the fancy sit. I, I think it's very um, very charming to introduce him in such a way. What have you made of it, Coxie? Um, I think City have nailed it and the photography has nailed it because... You don't need fancy things because you've got Nigel Pearson. They've literally just taken pictures of him. And by the way, they have taken quite a few. There's a lot going on. There are ones in the hotel. They've released ones on the roof today. I'm not sure how they persuaded him to get up on the roof. But, you know, there's a lot of Nigel Pearson content. But, you know, I'm here for it. Um, there's been a lot going on. I think Cheers Nige has become a thing, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, it's it's weirdly just quite feel good at the moment, isn't it? Which mm-hmm. is genuinely genuinely very strange because um, it feels quite positive. So I'm sure, you know, we'll ruin that by getting battered at the Liberty on Saturday. But no, I have enjoyed the pictures we have seen of Big Nige. It was quite a quick turnaround, all things considered, wasn't it? With Holden sacking on the Tuesday late uh, night. And then Sunday morning, contact was made with Nigel Pearson um, and they basically had, had sorted a deal by the Sunday evening. You know, all things considered, 
and without them going behind Holden's back to make an appointment, it's actually quite quick to get a manager within five days and get them in. So do you think there should be credit given to the club for sorting it as fast as they did, Doss? Where did that information come from? I'm curious uh, it's the that. YouTube. Um, it's a YouTube interview. It got released about an hour ago before oh. we started recording, so you wouldn't have come up in your uh, mm. presser. Uh, but yeah, it basically, he he goes through it and says he was making a bacon sarni um, on Sunday morning and he missed a call, and then he, he he goes back and takes the call and they had it all sorted by um, by the evening, and then he was he was ready to come in. Impressive. Um, yeah, I need to watch that interview, but I found I found it reassuring that I think Steve Lansdowne's very much taken the club by his horns in the last week. He's taken it by the scruff of the neck and two interviews, I think, done. And you could tell in those interviews that he very much wanted to be involved in this appointment, maybe a lot more so than uh, in the last one. He kind of got that sense, you know, he's saying Mark Ash is going to be doing the donkey work in, in this one, but I'm going to be very much on the panel for when the final decision is made. And to sound him out, because even on Saturday, there was no sort of indication that Pearson was in the fray so yeah. it's very promising I think the club have clearly learned from the summer Lansdowne referring to the lack of communication the time it took whereas now I think the club realised we're in a situation where we need to act quickly and they, they did so I wasn't expecting a day if that was the case for it to be that quick done that quickly but very glad it was yeah um he pretty much came out of nowhere the name though of Nigel Pearson I, it wasn't in any of the the list, obviously, we discussed on the previous pod the potential managers that would come in. Not once did we mention Nigel Pearson. Not once did the bookies mention Nigel Pearson. Why do you think they they sort him out and went for him, maybe, Coxie? Um, I don't know, because I feel like um, he is probably a Premier League manager. I think he showed that after his stint at Watford, where, you know... He, as, as your stat earlier revealed, he did really well. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a surprise that we kind of went for him, really. Um, they obviously have learned, and I think... I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the pod. I think it was just before Holden's sacking. It might have been after the, um, that. I think this is really... The next few weeks is going to tell us exactly what Steve Lansdowne wants from this club now. Um, and it was up to him to take the club by the scruff of its neck and, you know, take it in the direction that he wants to take it. And he has only done himself good. I think he did a good interview. He went on, was he, he went on Radio Bristol, he went on TalkSport, he did a club interview. Um, and I will be shocked to... I, I would be shocked if you said to me that Steve Lansdowne had nothing to do with the appointment of Nigel Pearson. I think... He mentioned, um, Pearson mentioned in the press conference stuff about Steve. So you'd hope he was part of that. I think John was sunning yeah. himself in Naki Wales land. So I doubt he had much to do with it, to be he honest. He said um, in the um, YouTube thing, Coxie, he said, specifically mentioned like Steve and John have been great and get in contact with me. Mm. And then he said afterwards as well with Mark Ashton, that the communication was good and, and he could tell straight away that they wanted him on board. And they made it very yeah. clear it was him that they were after. Um, which is John back from Bermuda then? I don't know. Maybe he was on the phone or something. It, they don't really they didn't really specify it. It was more just he was thanking them for, for giving him the opportunity and for getting in You've contact. You've got to give the club credit, haven't you? Like yeah. we've obviously slated the hierarchy a lot, and I think rightfully so. Um, you would hope this is in response to 
and because they've learned from uh, last summer when it took so long and then they ended up appointing the wrong man. Um, so I think they have, from this evidence, they have learned. Um, also giving him the manager role, how much that actually makes a difference, you know. Um, de- from day to day, I'm not sure, but even the sort of intent of that feels different. Um, and then when you think of Nigel Pearson as a guy, I mean, Doss reeled off all his achievements earlier. Um, the Watford interview you did, Owen, he's, you know, he was raving about him constantly. And yeah, it just feels like one hell of an appointment. I think if the timing was right, he would have ended up at a Premier League club in the last couple of months, but none of them have really been looking looking for one. Um, so yeah, I think Harry Cole in reply to one of our tweets said, um, Pearson, you know, won't let players off and sure they're going to give 100%. If they don't, they're not going to play. And that is the general consensus, isn't it? Um, he obviously sounded as well like he wanted to stick around long term, which, you know, as long as these few months go well, would be incredible. I, I'm not quite, still not quite sure how we've pulled it off. So you've got to <laughs> give, you've got to give the hierarchy credit. Let's just hope they. They back him and they support him and they give they give him what he needs. Yeah, I mean the first managerial post he took up was 1998, which I think spe- speaks volumes of the, the amount of experience he must have, the amount of knowledge he'll have over Holden, who, you know, ultimately went into it with with practically zero experience of of you know first team management and being at the helm. And I think that will that will tell over time just how experienced he is. I think you kind of got more into management being a caretaker of West Brom in 2006. There is a lengthy gap in there. But I think it's a really, really good appointment from City. With that amount of experience, it's a it's one that makes complete sense, not only in, in the, the moment where, you know, they're heading towards relegation, but also long-term, like you said, if they can get through and get into the summer and there's not an issue of relegation, you know, the ceiling's the limit, really. I don't see why City can't be in the playoffs under Pearson. I, I, I'm sh- I'd be interested in what you boys think, but there's, well, there's no reason My main concern was the six-month deal initially because I was looking at it thinking, yeah, it's great that we've got Pearson in, but it would have been greater if we'd done it a few weeks ago and we seen it with a shout at the playoffs because he could walk at the end of the season or when his contract's up, we'll have to look again. But the signs of what he said this afternoon, he sounded pretty happy and almost eager for that to be renewed. Yeah, obviously all... providing everything yeah. goes well, which is, he was speaking of the long-term vision. He seems very excited by it all. And what I really liked was that he said he needs some sort of, what was it? I can't remember the word he used, but some sort of real project Stability, to really go forward. Yeah. So my I'll, own... I'll try and get the, I'll get the word up. I'll get the word up. The it own... was, yeah. he said he needed some stim, stimulus. That was the one. And that was what he had at City. So I think... That to me screams of something long term. It's not something that, you know, if, if it goes to, to, to disaster, then we can almost cut ties in six months. But I think both Pierce and the club will be looking for something long term, which was which pleased me because that's what you want from Nigel Pierce. You don't want him to come in for six months to just in a mid table season. You want him to build and build us towards the Premier League, which he sounded like that was the plan. So my only concern though with a six month deal is say he absolutely smashes it and they win every remaining game of the season. <laughs> I know it's mental, but but how then does that negotiation process change? Because 
surely he'll demand a lot more money, a lot more money in the transfer market. And, and there'll be there'll be that issue with the with the board and potentially the issue of money. We know how um, City have been so dependent on keeping it um, keeping it ticking over and not overspending and not going crazy with the finances. But if Nigel Pearson comes in and absolutely smashes it, they could have and maybe it's a bit pessimistic me think, but a, a bit of an issue on their hands in the sense that the team have they've done unbelievably, but now you've got almost a manager with the gun to the board's head of let's have some more money then. I disagree. I think, bearing in mind old Boris's roadmap looks like we could be getting fans back for maybe the last, I mean, it's only one game of the season, but I think if he does, even if he does remotely well, I think the fan pressure is going to build and build to extend that contract. Yeah. And unless Pearson wants billions of pounds, I can't see us saying no. Obviously, if it's completely out of, out of reason, then fair enough. But I don't think, I think... He, he sees this as, you know, a good opportunity for him, not just, you know, financially, potentially financially wise, but I, I think it is a good project, it is a good mm-hmm. stimulus. Um, so I don't think that would be an issue. I mean, if it was, bloody... What a nice issue him, to have. Pay him what he wants. Give him what he yeah. wants. Yeah, because I, I, I don't think we're going to absolutely smash it. I think he'll sort of guide us to potentially a top... I think top 10 finish looks likely. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's quite unlikely that he the, the contract won't get extended yeah. unless there is some, you know, there's some drama between the between the, yeah. the hierarchy or whatever. But if Steve Lansdowne's got anything to do with it, he'll stay on. In particular, there's something he said in the YouTube video and I'm pretty sure he echoes it in the press conference as well. And, and I'll read out the quote he said. He said, We've got talented players here. It's important now to get stability before the end of the season so we can at least do what we've been striving to do. I think people will get tired of saying it's a club with potential. It's time to realise that potential. Now, how refreshing is that to hear? Because I think we, we speak of Bristol City constantly as they've got everything right except the, the football on the pitch. And, and they've, you know, they've got the infrastructure, they've got the facilities, they've got the stadium. Everything's in place for them to become a Premier League team except for the fact that they can't make it into the playoffs and the football's been, to be honest, quite shit. So how refreshing is it, Doss, to hear a manager come in and, and say, you know, let, let's ignore the potential and let's do something here? He just seemed focused on the present rather than thinking, you know, what's going to happen in a year's time. He just seemed focused on getting the job done now, then everything else will fall into place. He just, yeah, he knows what he's doing, he's experienced and... Yeah, it's just it's refreshing. It's refreshing. And it's got real Steve Cottrell vibes about this appointment. I think, you know, we're plummeting towards. I mean, at that point, we were plummeting towards actual relegation. This time, it's a relegation battle. We've appointed this, you know, slightly scary man, but one that seems to, you know, actually care and, and want to make an instant change. And I think hopefully the results will be very. Um, similar to to, to Cottrell. Um, I just think for me that I'm getting a similar kind of I'm getting a similar kind of feeling um, from these two appointments, and hopefully that'll be the case because that'll be incredible. Wouldn't it? Yeah, Dos um, Coxie mentioned a top ten finish, but what are your hopes for for Nigel Pearson for the rest of the season at least? Just some promise to to build. I want to see 
he mentioned identity a lot in his interview, so I want to see a clear identity, clear way of playing. Uh, continue to develop the youth players, and yeah, ultimately it all goes well, and he signs a contract for a real push next year. Let's get into our tweet we put out then of, of who will, will shine under Pearson and who might uh, struggle. Um, first one I've got coming in is Hal Nater. He'll get the best out of Asengo. Tons of confidence before he came to us that Lee Johnson and Holden seemed to beat out of him immediately, but he'll bench Wells. Uh, Owen Naylor said he worked well. Uh, he'll work well with Pato and Naki, but drop fan. Uh, BCFC Abby said, I reckon he'll do well with Taylor Moore. Actually, Taylor Moore is one of, if the only ones, that every game you can see is passion and effort. And then just further down, bench hunt, but fan will start scoring again. That was from BCFC George. And then Nick Day said, um, <laughs> Watkins up, more down. There was definitely loads in I there, think... weren't there? Like, um, the replies to that were mental, so thanks for that, guys. Yeah, I I tweeted that because I thought it would be quite interesting. Um, There's a real variation in a lot of them, wasn't there? Yeah, I think it was kind of inspired from the question we got in the last pod when it was... Um, what what manager you know I think it was if you get in if you get a manager what player what former player are they going to get the best out mm-hmm. of it was it was kind of similar to that um, but I just thought it'd be quite interesting because there are a lot of you know players in that squad at the moment who are probably playing for their their place at the club and it's quite interesting to see who people think I saw a lot of people say. Pearson will get the best out of Wells. I've seen a lot of people say he's going to bench Wells. Um, and I just think that's quite interesting. I personally, I reckon he's going to get the best out of Naki Wells. I think he, he likes a goal scorer on Nigel Pearson. Um, so I can see him getting the best out of Wells. Um, in terms of who I think he's going to sort of bench, I don't know. I genuinely don't know because I feel like you could go with an answer like Masengo and you could say, oh, he's going to he's not going to see enough maybe physicality or enough experience in him. You could also say, is he not going to like maybe a Jack Hunt who Doss said earlier, you know, sometimes you just find him floating around or whatever. Um, And that's why I think if we get him on a long-term deal, these few months are going to be really interesting. You know, he's putting the feelers out of who he likes and who he doesn't. Um, But I'm just hoping he can get the best out of every single player that he does pick. Um, because I think we have really got um, a good squad when they're all firing. Mm-hmm. To finish off uh, today's pod then, Doss, who would you say would stand out for you under Pearson and who do you expect to be benched? To be honest, I've not got a clue. <laughs> I think based off his quotes today, it seems like he's going to build the squad around what suits them best rather than what suits him best. I don't think there's a way of looking back at previous teams and thinking, right, he played that formation there, he's going to play that here. He yeah. said he's relatively open-minded and flexible based on what he sees in the squad. So I think there's a real way of saying he's going to be playing, he's going to be out of the team. But looking yeah, looking even back at his lesser team, he, he seemed to like pace. But So then that makes you think no one. <laughs> don't know really anyone quick in our squad, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I think he does seem to like a leader or a player of characters. So then you think nope. Thomas Kalas, I'd say, yeah, none of them either. Uh, just battlers, I think maybe... We could see maybe Tommy Rowe maybe in midfield or something like that. It wouldn't surprise me too much when he's back. Um, so kind of like in the Cambiasso role for Leicester oh. when he had him in, on for 14-15. But yeah, I just think even in that promotion season in 13-14, they 
had Vardy, they had Mares. Uh, mm. Just trying to think, he was a key part in that. Those players, so it kind of makes you think he'll build around what he sees best for the teams. I, I don't, I'm hesitant to just pick players that will do well because I don't, I don't have a clue what his lineup's going to be on Saturday. Yeah. To be honest, it'll be very interesting. Looking forward to that game. That's a no-brainer for the Robins TV. Yeah, purchase. you don't want to uh, play your blind hand, do you, Dos? Just yet to use a poker term. I just don't have yeah. a clue. I, I can't read what's going on in Nigel's mind, you know. I'm, I'm sure it'll come good, whatever it is, but I just don't yeah. know. I'm surprised, though, Doss, because when we played poker the other night and you went all in blind, you won, so... Yeah. I did. That's what that was my best chance <laughs> of winning, but I don't have anything. <laughs> right, I think that about wraps up for today. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening uh, to this episode of Beer 3 Talk podcast. You can check out our socials at BS3 Talk, and we'll catch you guys next time. Ciao. Adios.